Human Trafficking True Crime covers the exploitation of men, women, and children across the world. Subject matter may not always be suitable for children or those dealing with mental health issues. Listener discretion is advised. If you or someone you know has been trafficked, please contact the Human Trafficking Hotline by texting HELP, H-E-L-P, to 233-733. Hello to all of you out there in the world, wherever you may be. This is Shannon Labrie, and you're listening to Human Trafficking, a true crime podcast presented by Last Word, the one and only podcast which tells the stories of human trafficking cases, giving victims and survivors the last word. A sophisticated yet naive 18-year-old is spending time with her boyfriend at a nearby hotel, but when she doesn't return home the following day, the search begins. Through a long and painstaking journey, her family discovers hard facts about the man in her life, leading some to believe he isn't being truthful and could be responsible for her disappearance. What exactly happened that summer night in Austin is still a mystery her family is trying to uncover. Tonight, we give Roxanne Paltoff the last word. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for listening. Wherever you are, however you're streaming, I am glad you're here. Tonight, we have a special guest, Megan. Hi, Megan. Hi. (laughs) How's it going? It's going okay. It's going. Awesome. Megan, I know I've asked you this before, but do you want to let the listeners know, how into true crime are you? I'm pretty into true crime. Like, I listen to all the podcasts, you know, true crime podcasts. Um, I listen to quite a few others just about the mysteries and unsolved murders that go on. I'm also a huge Netflix junkie, so I listen, I watch all of those as well. Awesome. Awesome. Making a murder. Yeah, making a murder. Yeah. yeah. I've gotten into a lot of those, too. What is your, like, all-time favorite mystery? Like, if you... Out of all the cases you've heard, like, what's the one you're like, I want to know what happened in this case? What is that case for you? You know, it's going to be really dark, but honestly, Ted Bundy, I know that there's been so much about him, but like, what about all the other girls that we don't know about that are just hidden in the mountains, right? right? Like, we just don't know where they're at. And all of those bodies that they keep discovering there all the time. Yeah. And it's like, well, it could be Ted Bundy. Who knows? Yeah. Or some other crazy serial killer we don't know about. Yeah. Or maybe they do know about. Yeah, exactly. We don't know. (laughs) We're just random people. Um, Okay. Nice. I think mine would have to be so weird. It's not really like true crime per se, but I've always been fascinated by Amelia Earhart. And I'm like, what the hell happened? Yeah. And when, you know, she's on an island somewhere, that's one of the conspiracy theories. There's so many different things (laughs) that I'm like, I don't know, as a young kid, when I saw her case, probably like on Unsolved Mysteries for the first time, I'm like, what, what happened? Where'd she go? Or getting captured by like enemy forces. Yeah. She's one I'd want to know, but true crime wise, there's so many. 
It's hard to just pick one. I mean, there's also, you know, the one that they have on Netflix, Madeline McCain. Yeah. Oh. Where where she and there they just so... resurfaced that on TikTok too, you know. No, because I'm not um, a TikTok person. So on TikTok, they had a bunch of people come on and they're like trying to find her and they found a girl that looks like her, but it's, you know, time has changed. So yeah. they morph in her face. And then she was like, well, I was adopted and... I was like brought out by like mysterious circumstances. Interesting. I do know there are some conspiracies I've come across of her disappearance being possibly connected to human trafficking. Um, yeah. I don't really know where I land on that. I find it interesting. It's plausible, but there's just a lot. And I'm, I'm not super knowledgeable on that case. Yeah, like no. I know the surface level stuff. I have not gone down the rabbit holes, but I will say some of the things I have read definitely make you go, hmm, interesting. For sure. So, all right, well, let's jump in. Tonight, we are talking about Roxanne Paltoff. Have you ever heard of Roxanne Paltoff? Have you ever heard of this case? I actually have not, no. Okay, okay. So I'm just going to go ahead and start then. Roxanne Elizabeth Paltoff was born on January 3rd, 1988, She was the oldest of five, and at the time of her disappearance, she was living with her mother and siblings in Austin, Texas, so our our backyard, Mm -hmm. essentially. Previous to her vanishing, she had left traditional school um, her junior year and opted to get her GED. She had gotten into the co-op program that her school offered and was actually working two jobs at the time of her disappearance, one at a floral shop and the second was with the Census Bureau. From my understanding, she was working toward getting her life back on track for bigger, brighter things to come, Most as most young adults are doing at that age. Mm-hmm. Roxanne had been dating a man named Louis Walls for about two years at the time of her disappearance. Now... Her and Lewis met when she was 16, and I'm not entirely sure how they met. My guess is probably mutual friends, but this was obviously way before dating apps were Mm -hmm. in 2006 at her disappearance. So I don't think I said that yet, but anyways. Um, And they actually were celebrating their two-year anniversary when Roxanne went missing. And how old was he? So that's a question for debate but it will come up later but at the time when they started dating Roxanne and her family were under the impression that he was 19 okay so she's 16 he's 19 we will circle back to that uh throughout their two years of dating the couple definitely had some challenges Roxanne's mother for starters just straight up did not approve of Lewis um she pretty much from the start, just knew he was not a good man for her daughter. Uh, he had bragged about being a known gang member in the area. He didn't have a job. He didn't have a license. From my research, he was the father of two children. And I'm not entirely sure about his living situation. I do believe that he was... At, correction. I know he was living with his mother as far as custody of his children. I'm not sure if he had custody or if his mom had custody, but the kids stayed with his mom. They all lived in an apartment or a house or whatever. So mom, Liz's mom, I'm sorry, Roxanne's mother, Liz, not a fan of this dude, 
And to further complicate things, Lewis's mother didn't really approve of Roxanne. So I'm not really sure why. I'm not sure she was banned from the house, per se, because she would babysit Lewis's kids for him at times. So she obviously was at the house, but um, I think if his mother was there, she wasn't allowed to be around. So um, after her disappearance, Roxanne's friend told the Austin Chronicle that he would cheat on her every once in a while. He had pushed her around. Um, and this particular friend would try to tell Roxanne that she should end it, but Roxanne would always defend him. And it started to get to the point where their fr- friendship was now affected by the fact that she's telling him, dude, you're dating a fucking piece of shit. Like, leave yeah. him. Let's yeah. go party it up. She's not having that. So their friendship kind of starts to separate, if you will. Um, her friend, her friends and family did state that prior to her disappearance, she had been pulling away from Lewis. She had gotten a second job with the census bureau. And from what I read, it sounds like she kind of had a come to Jesus moment. And she realized that she needed to get her GED to better her life, um, for the future. But at some point, Lewis started to reappear in her life and began calling Roxanne and showing up to the locations where she was working at for the Census Bureau for that day. So like hit up, you know, we're going to be in this town near this park and they'd meet up. So that's kind of the backstory of leading up to her disappearance. Now, Roxanne's story starts on Friday, July 7th, 2006. On that Friday, Roxanne had spoken to her mother, letting her know that she was going to stay another night with Lewis. They had been staying the past several nights at a hotel in the area of I-35 and East Rundberg in Austin. The couple often spent their time together at hotels because of the situation with their mothers. So Mm -hmm. if they wanted like alone time, that's how they got it. The following day, Saturday, July 8th, the entire Paltoff family had plans to go on a shopping trip to a nearby outlet mall. Now, the Paltoff family is your typical middle-class family, so when you get a little money and you're going shopping, it's kind of a big deal. Oh, yeah. So the family was looking forward to this trip, and initially, Roxanne's mother told Roxanne no when she called. Uh, Roxanne is 18 and in my opinion, it kind of sounds like the mom was probably picking her battles. Like, I'm not going to get into this with you if you want to go stay with him, whatever. And that's kind of where it ended. The mom gets off the phone call and there's the understanding that Roxanne's going to stay another night with Lewis and that she'll be back in the morning for this shopping adventure. Now... The hotel they're staying at that particular night was the Budget Inn Suites, which is off I-35 in East Rungberg, like I had stated, which is just north of the University of Austin. Mm-hmm. I've been to Austin many times. I'm going to go ahead and say you probably have as well. Yeah, I've been, you know, yeah. 6th Street. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Everyone goes to 6th Street where you party it up for sure. All the bars, they close yep. the streets down. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. A lot of movement, a lot of people. Right. So you can imagine then, and like most listeners, 
every city has, yeah, you don't go to that area. Oh, yeah. So from everything I've read, this particular area that they were in was extremely high crime. It was a lot of illegal and illicit activity going on. Um, There was just a lot of crime, drugs, prostitution, homelessness. There were murders in the area and it's just. And that's the hotel. This was all in the hotel that they were staying at. Yeah. So you have in this area several different hotels, but it's right off 35, which we all know 35 is a major Thorador for human trafficking. Mm -hmm. Uh, But this area in particular is high crime area, right? There's a lot of nefarious shit going on. So... I don't think her mom knew that she was staying at this hotel when she stayed there. Um, I think that kind of came out after the fact. But Roxanne's sister has stated that the particular hotel that they were staying at, the Budget Inn Suites, was the cheapest one on the block at the time. And she believes that that's probably why Roxanne picked it. And I'm thinking, yeah, because she's the only one with a fucking job. So she's trying to ball on a budget. So that's where we're at. So we're going to move forward in the timeline to Saturday. So Friday night, she's supposed to stay with Lewis. She'll be back Saturday to go on this shopping trip. But Saturday morning rolls around and she's a no-show. And I quote, her sister said... We thought she just dissed us for Lewis. Do you know what dissed us means? Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, you're just like, yeah, no, I'm going to go do this. Like, oh, whatever. And you don't say anything. Yeah. Yeah. You just diss them. So one of her sisters basically was like, at first, we all just kind of were like, all right, well, she chose Lewis over us. All right. Peace out. We're going shopping. Like, you're lost. We're done. Um, And so that's what the family does. They all go shopping. And it isn't until... The family gets home from this shopping trip later that afternoon that Lewis calls Roxanne's mother, Liz, and asks if she has seen Roxanne. To which he's like, the mom straight up's kind of like, no, why would I? She's supposed to be with you. And he's calling the mother from her cell phone. So she's real like, what are you, what are you fucking talking about? You're like, my daughter's supposed to be with you. No, I haven't seen her. Haven't heard of caller ID. Right. Hello. Well, well, this is, well, true. Yeah. But this is 2006. But yeah, you had caller ID back then. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So Lewis tells her mother that the previous night, Friday, him and Roxanne got into an argument. She walked out of the hotel room without her purse, without her phone, without her debit card, and she had no shoes on. He said he saw her walk down the street. About 20 minutes later, he went out looking for her, but she was gone. That's the story he's given the mom. Hmm. Now, mom's freaking out, realizing he's calling from her phone. Shit's not adding up. And she manages to convince Lewis to file a missing persons report. On top of the missing persons report, she's already filing with the Austin Police Department. And he agrees, surprisingly. So two missing persons reports are filed on Roxanne. And by Sunday, she's officially a missing persons case. But when the Austin police detectives 
get the case. They don't really initially take serious interest in it. She walked off. They're going off of Lewis's words. She walked off. She's 18. She's an adult. She can walk off if she wants. Walking away isn't a crime. There's no body, whatever. Um, When the Austin Police Department arrives at the motel, when the detectives arrive at the motel that Roxanne and Lewis were staying at, it had already been several days since she had been missing. Lewis had already checked out of the hotel room. In fact, from everything I've read, he checked out of the hotel room shortly after her disappearance, either mm-hmm. late Friday. I think it, he checked out early Saturday morning, but I've heard various counts. But the point is he checked out of the hotel room and the hotel room had been stayed in and cleaned by other, had been stayed in by other occupants and cleaned by the service people before the detectives could arrive. So on top of all of that, the Austin Police Department also learns that the hotel staff didn't always keep accurate records of their patrons. Hmm making it extremely difficult for them to account for who was coming and going in and around the time of Roxanne's disappearance. So you have shitty area. You have a shitty motel. Yeah. yeah. Not keeping records. It's definitely a rent by the hour kind of place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would imagine it's probably one of those things where it's, oh, if you pay cash, we don't have a paper trail. Like, yeah, exactly. Never. Stay here as long as your money will. Yeah, you were, you were never here. We don't know you. So this is just a shit show for Roxanne's mom, right? Like, so her daughter goes missing. There's no crime scene. There's no evidence. There's no body. I have read different accounts that they couldn't even pinpoint exactly which hotel room they were in but i've also read accounts that they were able to figure that out either way nothing came of it there wasn't any substantial amount of blood there were no you know body parts anything crazy like that so that's kind of where we're at with the story at this point all right Welcome back. A little recap. So we've got Roxanne who's working on trying to get her life together. She's trying to escape these clutches from this loser fucking dude she's dating. But for whatever reason, she spends several nights alone with him in a shady ass hotel. And according to her boyfriend, they get into an argument. She leaves. And now... Here we are. We have no Roxanne. Mm -hmm. We have no idea where she's at. Nothing. At all. (laughs) Do you have any questions? I mean, I guess you think they were trying to, like, make amends by staying in that hotel together. And that's kind of what their argument went into. She was like, oh, I'm ready to leave and, like, you know, make better for myself. And he was like, no, 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 stay. Um... It's interesting you say that. I definitely have some theories on it that we'll definitely get to later on. Um, But yeah, I do. I think that's definitely part of it for sure. It's an interesting... I mean, because if she's pulling away from him by all accounts, right? From Mm -hmm. everything I've read, her friends, her family, months leading up to her disappearance, she's pulling away from him. And they make it sound like in what I've read that like he just kind of... They like stop communication 
but I'm not exactly sure if that actually is truth or not. But the point is they were taking a break from each other in some form Mm -hmm. or fashion. But now he resurfaces and weasels his way back into her life. I mean, it is, it's interesting, but okay. So we're going to jump to July 12th, five days after Roxanne goes missing. Douchebag Lewis returns her items that she left at the hotel room to her family. So like her clothes, her purse, her phone, her jewelry, all of this stuff. Now remember, Roxanne is the oldest of five. Of those five children, it's four girls. And she's the oldest, but the younger siblings right after her, the girls right after her, her sisters, they're all super close in age. Mm -hmm. And I know you're... You didn't grow up with siblings, no. but you've, you've li- you went to college though. So you yeah, get the, like, you, you know, your like friends a, clothes, yeah. you know what your, yeah. your friends are wearing. Like I knew my sister's clothes growing up. I was the younger sibling. I would always steal her clothes and she'd get super pissed. I would imagine yeah. this is very similar, right? So Lewis returns her clothes and immediately her family is like, hold up. These are not her fucking clothes. And one of her sister's is quoted in saying that they were children's clothes. So... No. Yeah. What the fuck? Like, whose clothes are they? I would like to know. I don't know. But her family is adamant that the clothes that were returned were not Roxanne's. They weren't things that she would wear. Mm -hmm. And you know people's style. Like, you know your friends, you know your siblings, you know their style. You know what they leave in, you know what they come back in. Right. For sure. Right. So... They're immediately like, what the hell? They get the phone back, they get her jewelry, and they get the clothes, but the clothes aren't hers. It takes 12 days before Lewis finally decides to sit down with the police and talk to them about the case, which is July 19th. So she goes missing July 7th, and he doesn't sit down to talk to the police until July 19th. Hmm. Unfortunately, nothing really comes from this interview. He pretty much tells the detectives the same story. They got into an argument. She walked off. 20 minutes later, he goes out and tries to look for her. Can't find her. And that's kind of where we're at. He ultimately walks out of the police station, a free man. They have nothing to hold him on. There's no incriminating evidence or anything like that. So that's kind of where we're at. Well, shortly after Roxanne goes missing, her poor mother would start to learn some crazy fucking shit. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Lewis, you actually asked about this. You said this earlier. Yeah. Lewis lied about his age to Roxanne. Shocking. Shocking. (laughs) He told her at the time that he was 19 when they met. Take a guess. I mean, he's got two kids, so I'm going to say like 25. He is 28. Yeah. Okay. That tracks. She's 16. <laughs> yeah. And he's fucking 28. Wow. Jesus. So when I said earlier that they met through mutual friends, like I say that because that to me, that seems to be the only logical yeah. explanation of how they met because Tinder, Bumble, none of the shit was around. No. Yeah. Maybe they met at work one time. 
I don't yeah, know. Yeah, they met in like, a passing at the grocery store. Who knows? But this dude's 20 fucking eight. Tells her he's 19. With a 16-year-old. Yeah, exactly. Now, she learns at some point in their relationship that he had lied about his age. But when he confesses, if you will, that he's not 19, he doesn't actually disclose, to my knowledge, his real age. He just gives out another age number. Like, oh, yeah, well, I'm not really 19. Okay, I lied. I'm 24. Or whatever. I don't really have like actual facts info on that. But what I have read is he wasn't truthful. And it was not until her, until she went missing that her family ultimately discovered that when Roxanne went missing, Lewis was like 30 years old. Jeez. Yeah. So she's 18. He's 30 when she goes missing. When they first start dating, she's 16, he's 28. So he's like 30, 31 when she goes missing. Doesn't, we're, we still got ew. more to go on. The, yeah, ew, for real. Ew. Like, okay, say you met through mutual friends, but like, say you met at a party. Like, what are you hanging out at? Like, yeah, where fucking party? You? Yeah. I'm sorry, but when I was 16, I was not at those kinds of places. But, you know, some, some people are, so. Right. More I'm, power to you, I guess, but I'm not going to no. say I've, I've definitely been in situations where older people have been there and I was younger. I'm not sure that they probably knew my age. Yeah. You keep I probably didn't really wraps. know that that was their age, but I didn't date any of them. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and to me, okay, we'll get into this. I don't want to get off on a tangent <laughs> on that, but yeah, just know this dude's actually fucking 30 years old dating an 18 year old at the time. He's got two kids living at home with his mama. Like, mm. no, no. I want to know where the baby mamas are. As far as the two, with those two children, I have not found anything on that mother. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the same mother. I don't know if it's multiple mothers. Um, but from what I've read, the children, Lewis and Lewis's mother all lived together where that mom was. I mean, who knows? He probably corrupted her and she's, you know, doing whatever she's doing so far gone at this point. Like that now this douchebag's got fucking custody of their kid. He does have custody. So we don't know. Yeah. But he's, he is involved in his kid's life. So, I mean, you have that, I guess. (laughs) But not really because he's making Roxanne babysit his kids so he can go out. Like, yeah, dude, you don't have a job, bro. Like, where are you going? Like, I ain't watching your kids. I think we know where he's going. Yeah. (laughs) His side piece number two, three, four, five. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay. So her mom learns the real age of Lewis on top of some other things. She finds out that Lewis Walls has a criminal record that dates back to 1995. And just for all you people who suck at math, I did the math on this and Roxanne would have been seven. Seven at the time of his criminal record that dates back to 95. So keep that in mind. This record of Lewis Walls consists of robbery, selling fake Crack cocaine to an undercover cop. Not even real. Fake. Fake. (laughs) Fake. 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, I just, I can't. And domestic violence. So oh. it doesn't even in there though, Megan. Like Roxanne's friend, Rachel Gonzalez, confesses to Roxanne's mother, Liz, about an incident that had happened in 2005 previous to her disappearance. According to the Austin Chronicle, Liz had found Roxanne sitting at a bus stop with a busted up face, swollen, bruising, with big sunglasses on. And Roxanne tells everyone that her and Lewis were down at 6th Street and a group of guys began to make comments and were provoking them, to which Lewis starts a fight with them and she tries to break this up, but instead inadvertently gets hit in the face. Mm, right. Yeah. Convenient. Totally. Plausible story. Yeah. Plausible right. story. I should mention that Roxanne ended up having to have surgery from this incident because not only did she have a broken nose, it was detached mm. internally as well. Wow. So this fucking loser hits her hard enough to, to break her face and cause surgery. Yeah. So her friend confesses all of this to the mom after Roxanne goes missing, which wow. I personally, like I have to give mad props to the friend. Like I'm sure we've all been in situations with friends mm -hmm. where they tell you something and you're like, okay, I won't say anything, even though I probably should, but I'm not going to. But now we're in a situation where you're missing. Like, I'm coming forward with this information. Mm -hmm. I don't care a fuck if you're going to be mad at me, you yeah, know, exactly. on a friend's standpoint. Yeah. Like, we don't even know where you are. We're trying to figure this out. Like, you need yeah. to know this, mom, you know, mother Liz. This is what actually happened. Wow. So she tells the mom that Lewis and her... I don't really know the whole story exactly, but something al along the lines of they got into an argument, it got physical, he breaks her face. Wow. Yeah. Okay, now I'm not entirely sure what the dates are on this next bit of information. I've heard it a few different ways. I've heard that it was a few months after her disappearance, but I also heard it was a few weeks. But either way, her ID gets discovered in the Austin PD's lost and found, and it's run through a database at that time to which they discovered this ID belongs to a missing person. So the story goes on July 13th, which is six days after Roxanne's disappearance, we enter a new character in this story, a man named Jeffrey Moore. He approached a perfect 10 men's club dancer in the Runberg area to try to purchase sex to which she's like, yeah, I'm not a prostitute, but I do private dances. So Moore agrees and the lady, her husband and Moore all go to a motel six, which is seven minute walk from the location where Roxanne was last known to be. At the hotel Roxanne was at, and this Motel 6 is a seven-minute walk from each other. Okay, so this guy goes to somewhere to proposition for sex. Correct. With a wife and husband. So this Jeffrey Moore positions this lady okay. for sex. She's like, Random yeah. Random lady. Well, she's a dancer at the Perfect 10 okay. men's Perfect Ten. club okay. dancer. Okay. 
So she's a dancer. He approaches her. Yo, whatever he says. She's like, yeah, I'm not a prostitute, but I do private dances. So more agrees to the private dance. And the lady, along with her husband. Okay. And more. So the three of them. <laughs> three of them. Mob to this okay. motel for this little shindig to go down. But upon entry, Moore locks the door and at some point starts attacking this woman. Her husband is trying to get in. He gets a hotel staffer. They call police and they gain entry into this hotel room where Moore is attacking this woman. Oh, my God. Locked the husband out and is just. Yeah. And now we're not releasing any names because it's not really. Right. I mean, it's relevant to the case, but like I'm not. I'm not releasing names. Some of Mm. these names you can find, but for our podcast, I am not going to release those names. Um, But if you do research, you can find them. But yeah, so he locks the husband out, starts attacking this girl. They gain entry and then Jeffrey Moore flees the scene before the cops get there. But this idiot forgot his wallet. So he comes back <laughs> to the hotel that he just attacked this woman at. And there's a bunch of cops and he's just trying to get his license. Now, the police are going through his wallet at this time, which they find this ID. And they try to give it to this dancer who's like, yeah, that's not me. That's not my ID. Whoa. Right. The ID thus gets put in the Austin Police Department's lost and found. And it sits there. Now, that's where I said earlier, I'm not sure on the dates. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure how long it actually sat there. The most I've seen is it sat there for at least a month or a couple months. I've also seen that it sat there for a couple weeks. But it sat there for a period of time. At which point, someone in the Austin Police Department's doing their job and they enter... They see this ID in the the lost and found. They enter the information and that's when they discover that it was a missing person. But the thing is, is if they would have taken that ID at that that time, it it had only been what, six days after Roxanne had gone missing. They would have seen that she was a missing person at that point, but they didn't. So yeah, her ID then gets stuck. It's found, you know, it's in the lost and found at the Austin PD They run it through the database and they discover that she's a missing person, at which point they bring in more for questioning. To which he tells police that he gave Roxanne and Lewis a ride to like a nearby store on the night of the 7th, which is the night that Roxanne goes missing. She left her ID in his car and that's why he has it. Now, Lewis confirms this account with the police about the store run like that Moore gave them, you know, a ride to the store, mm-hmm. convenience store, wherever they were going. Uh, but I did read that the detectives noted that both men gave different accounts for the route that was taken to the convenience store or the location that he was dropping them off at or whatever he was doing. Um, and that the detectives also felt that neither one of them was being completely truthful. 
Now, the charges against Moore for the assault on the dancer were later dropped for lack of evidence because the woman declined to press charges. Mm. Yeah. So in the early days of the investigation, Roxanne's mother, Liz, I think she kind of just could tell that the police weren't really like going to do much or weren't involved as much as she had hoped that they probably would be. Mm -hmm. And she kind of takes matters into her own hands and... She pulls their phone records and realizes that after Roxanne went missing to right before Lewis returns the phone with the clothing, with the clothing, he placed over 300 phone calls. What? Right. So he has her phone for five days. Makes 300 phone calls. Makes over, over 300 phone calls. The specific dates are between July 8th and July 12th. Now, these phone calls are, it's insane. So, there's a lot around this phone call. So, the police actually did not put in a request for the phone records until 2019. Wow. Although her mother pulled these in the early days of the investigation and from what I've read had provided them to law enforcement. So I don't know if law enforcement just never pulled the records for their own, like, Hey, just to confirm, we, you know, put, do the paperwork we've pulled them. Or if they just were like, Oh yeah, our mom gave them to us. Here are the records. And they just were like, one last thing we have to do. I don't really know, but it wasn't until 2019 that the police department pulled officially like requested for the phone records. But in the meantime, the mom has the phone records and starts to realize that there's a ton of phone calls, right? Yeah. Several are to his ex-girlfriend and those phone calls range from one minute to 45 minutes. And Roxanne's mother actually spoke to this ex-girlfriend And was told that she had placed a protective order on Lewis and that the night of Roxanne's disappearance, he told her he was in trouble and didn't go into detail. Whoa. So this particular ex-girlfriend was living in New Mexico at the time in a women's, a battered women's shelter trying to get away from Lewis. Uh, she's since said that she never spoke to Lewis that night and is like totally just Mm. like backtracked. Even though we have the phone records. Exactly. (laughs) Not we, but someone has. Well, you can find them all online. Seriously. You can go on, if you go on to the Roxanne Paltoff's like Facebook page that the family manages or the Reddit, any Reddit post, her sister has like highlighted in the last couple months, the sister has, or not last couple months, I would say the last couple years, the sister has started to like go through the phone records in detail, which we'll get into more here in a little bit. But she like has highlighted things that she's like, mm. what's this? What's this? What's this? So you can, you can find them. They are online. I encourage everyone to go out because someone might find something that's interesting on it that I would never think of, but Yeah, so the other phone calls placed that night, uh, sorry, the other phone calls placed during the time that 
Lewis had Roxanne's phone. He made phone calls to other hotels. The hotel they were staying at. Pizza places. Other individuals. And sex hotlines. What? On her phone? Yeah. He doesn't have a job or a cell phone. And he's using her phone. He's just taking advantage. What? Yeah. Right. So... Like I said a minute ago, one of Roxanne's sisters has noticed in the last couple years a lot of interesting anomalies on these phone records. She's noted that there are quite a bit of roaming charges and pings. She's also noted that on the night that Roxanne disappeared, there is an hour time gap in usage on the phone. So the sister's really done a lot. Like, she's like, yeah, screw this. I'm not waiting around anymore. Like, she's, you know, looking through this and starts realizing what what is all of this. So in March, we're going to jump forward a couple years to 2008. March 2008, Lewis is charged with making a terroristic threat against his then current girlfriend. And again, I'm not releasing her name. Uh, But according to court records, she told police she'd met Lewis to make arrangements to see for him to see their son, but that he wanted to talk about getting back together Mm. to which she's like, yeah, no. And he responds with, I don't want to kill you like I did that girl, Roxanne. I really did kill her. I know how to do something with bodies. What? This is what he says to the girlfriend at the time Mm, that he's got charges for making a terroristic threat against. He says this to her. Yeah. He pleads no contest to the charge and was found guilty and sentenced to 140 days in jail. Just 140. Yeah. Well, yeah. Pretty much. (laughs) Pretty much. Um, So remember I said earlier... Did I say earlier? I don't even remember. But Roxanne's mother speaks to this particular ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. She did. Okay. So she's now speaking to two. Like they're two separate girlfriends. Oh. So New Mexico girl's different than this one. Correct. Okay. Correct. So New Mexico girl's who he called the night Mm -hmm. she goes missing. Right. I don't know their affiliation. I don't know if they have kids. I don't know what that situation is. She's got a protective order out against him. She's living in New Mexico. Jump forward to 2008. He's dating a new girl. Makes these threats. Says this shit. That he doesn't want to kill her like he did Roxanne. Well, Roxanne's mom ends up getting in touch with this girl. And she tells Liz that... Lewis had tried to pimp her out in the past. Pimp her out. Correct. Now, whether or not that was successful, I don't know. But it is noted that she told her mom that Lewis tried to pimp her out. I'm connecting some dots here. Right. I have some dots connected. 
I'm sure we're gonna talk about them. What are I your dots? Wanna... Let's hear them. Okay. Maybe we won't. Tell me if we're gonna if we're gonna get to it. I will, but let me know what questions you have so I can answer them. Sketchy hotel, right? Mm-hmm. With Roxanne and Lewis. Mm-hmm. We have this character Ron Moore, right? Moore. Jeffrey Moore, Moore, the li- ID guy. Yeah, who who has been known to proposition dancers, right? Yep. All of a sudden, has her ID. In mm-hmm. his in his possession, mm-hmm. Lewis has now known someone has come out and said, "Yeah, he's tried to proposition me out before." Correct. So we know it. We can assume what happened to Roxanne. Obviously, maybe. Yeah, I mean, well, there are some different theories, but obviously, yeah. we are a human trafficking podcast, so everyone's yeah. obviously like, we get we get the avenue that you're going with human trafficking now. Yeah. This particular case, I think that a majority of the people believe that she died that night, that Jeffrey and Jeffrey Moore and Lewis Walls had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I don't, I think they had something to do with it, but I don't think she's dead. I don't think so. Let me tell you my theories. Okay. Because I'm with you. So this is where I start to shine some light on these dark parts of this story. Okay. I've always wondered if Lewis was or had exploited Roxanne throughout their relationship. Mm-hmm. When you look at this case and knowing what we know now, that he has a violent streak. He has, in the past, propositioned girlfriends for commercial sex and or was a, a successful at it to be determined i don't know but we know that he's propositioned them for it it's likely to it's you can assume that he's most likely done the same to roxanne um we know that he lied about his age to roxanne um to me there's just there's a lot of signs that point to trafficking. Okay? Lewis is 12 mm-hmm. years older than Roxanne. There's she's 16 when they meet. He's 28. That is classic grooming 101. Exactly. He is an adult who is taking advantage of a vulnerable. Everyone is vulnerable at 16. Mm-hmm. You think you know shit? You don't know shit. Like I'm telling you right now. You think you know everything. Your parents don't know shit. They don't know they've never been around the block. No, that's not true. Like Everyone is naive at that point. I do not care who you are, what you've been through. You have a level of naiveness at 16. You're dating a 28-year-old who is knowingly Mm -hmm. lying to you. Are you really dating him, though? Or is he giving you the impression that you're dating? Exactly. That is a... No, 100%. Because you're babysitting his kids. Exactly. Yeah. What what are you doing, bro? When you don't got a job, it's not like mm-hmm. I'm babysitting for you to go flip burgers at yeah. fucking Wendy's. Like, right. You know what I mean? Like, you're probably leaving me to watch your kids while you go hit up a side piece. Like, mm-hmm. or make a phone call. Right. Right. <laughs> Who knows? Oh my gosh. Who knows? Um, okay. So we have clear signs of grooming. We know he lied about his age. Um, sort of confessed, but that just really was covered up with another lie about his age. We know that Roxanne dropped out of school her junior year and was trying to earn her GED all while dating Lewis. My questions are, did her school life and home life 
start to change when she dated Lewis because I I absolutely believe that they it did a hundred percent like started hiding things right I don't need to know yeah. her to know that if she's pushing away from her friends when her friends are like dump this loser why is he hitting you you deserve better you know women empower women she's pulling away from her friends like screw this she's gonna go deal with you know be with Lewis He's grooming her. He's lying to her. So she drops out of school. We know her home life's totally changed, right? I can't even imagine what level of bullshit this dude's told her over the course of their relationship. Yeah, put in her ear, you know, like, oh, you should do this. It'll better your future. You should do this. You should this. Right. Yeah. Good yeah. point. And her mom's I probably sitting there and is like, I don't understand what's going on. I don't, I don't know what's happening. And... You know, she finds all this stuff out years after the fact. Right. I can't imagine what she would be going through at this point. Oh. So, I read, and I've... So, her case is covered on Disappeared, if anyone, most true crime junkie people have seen the show Disappeared. Her case is featured on there, and her mom even states that, like, on that last phone call that they had, that... She was kind of, like, snippy. Like, they kind of were, like, fine. Like, whatever. Go spend another night with Lewis and, like, you know, miss out on family fun time shopping tomorrow. Um, The mom's pretty much stated that, like, she kind of got snippy with Roxanne at the end and the phone call ended and that was that. And when I read that, my, like, heart hurt because I'm, like, like, the last phone call you have with, like, your daughter... Or a loved one, and it doesn't, it's not, Yeah, you know? I mean, I definitely get in little quarrels with my mom all the time about stupid shit. And oh, I, yeah. you know, even when you're mad, you're like, fine, gotta go, bye, I love you. Like, hang up. <laughs> but like, you're, you know, you still say it, you love you. Like, I love you just because you know you gotta say it. Like, you yeah. mean it, but like, you're mad at them. Like, I, just, I can't imagine. Like, it's really sad. And I bet that's, I mean, you know, mom always fights, but I bet that's why she's fighting just a little bit more. Because she's like... I feel like I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know what was wrong, you know? Right. That's the other thing. Like, mom's initial reaction was like, no, come home. We mm-hmm. were doing the shopping trip in the morning. Yeah. And then this all happens. Like, it, yeah. Okay. So this is where I'm going to start shining some light on some dark parts of this story. I think it's safe to say... When you look at the overall picture, before, during, and after her disappearance, there are, in my opinion, which I'm a nobody, just dedicating my life to fighting human trafficking, (laughs) not an expert by any means, but when I look at this case, there are a lot of signs that she was being groomed that she could potentially have become trafficked by Lewis. And I guess I'll kind of just dive into that to start off with the grooming aspect. He's 12 years older than her. 12 years. He is 28 when they meet. Yeah. He is dating a young, vulnerable 16-year-old. Easy to manipulate somehow manages to get her to babysit his kids when he's doing whatever the hell he's doing. We know that Roxanne drops out of her 
like her traditional high school by her junior year and is on track to earn her GED all while dating Lewis. I think it's safe to say that her school life, her home life all started to change drastically when she met Lewis. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine the amount of bullshit this dude told her. Yeah, just impressing upon her, honestly. Yeah, over the course of their relationship to try to, you know, gain trust. That's the number one thing of grooming. They mm-hmm. find out your vulnerabilities and then they exploit those vulnerabilities to benefit them. What is it that you're insecure about? What is it that you're vulnerable about? And mm-hmm. then they come in and try to basically be the knight in shining armor. And they're, oh, you don't have to worry about this, that, and the other thing. Whatever it is you're vulnerable about. Whatever it is you're insecure about. They try to build you up, so to speak. But then they tear you back down. And mm-hmm. they exploit that ex- exact same vulnerability to accomplish whatever it is they want like he groomed her there is no question argument like you cannot change my mind on that like he was definitely grooming her he expressed and showed dominance over Roxanne he was controlling and violent we Mm. know that he by her friend's account, pushed her around. Um, we know that her friend later came forward that he physically broke her nose in a fight. So we know that he's got dominance and control over her, so to speak. We know that she pulls away from all of her friends and I would imagine some of her family throughout the course of their relationship. Anytime someone is trying to tell her to step away she pushes them away and it ultimately backfires and she goes defends lewis and goes back to him for whatever reason and i will say that i don't know if you know this megan but on average a woman in a domestic abuse situation will try to leave the situation Seven times before it's a success. Seven times, yeah. Seven. So where is she at in this seven times? You know what I mean? Number two. Right. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Like (laughs) she's tried to pull away. She gets sucked back in. Mm -hmm. She's, it's domestic abuse. Like it's just insane to me. Like how much. Yeah. And you know, I learned that statistic from Made, a Netflix show in in the book. They talk about that a lot in the domestic violence shelter that she goes to eventually. Seven times, yeah. Right. And we know that she's tried to leave in the past, but she obviously gets sucked back into this lifestyle and life yeah, with him. It's, it's easy. Well, and there's... You also have to think they've been dating for two years. Yeah. Like, think how vulnerable... I When I think of 16, I look back at my life and I think how vulnerable I was. Like, if the right guy came along and said the right thing oh, yeah. at the right time, like, I'm sure I 100% could have easily been persuaded. You know what I mean? But yeah. I also think, too, like, I am would like to think I'm was a little bit more aware of certain things in life and knew that life was shitty. We like to look back on ourselves and think that we would do that. Right. But when I look at (laughs) How do we know? Right. Right. You don't. But when I look at her case, first of all, we're the same age. Like, that's weird to me. Like, we're the same age, which I think is why I've followed this case. Mm -hmm. 
But on top of that, like when I look at what she's doing, staying at, at hotels with her boyfriend. Okay, well, I've stayed at hotels with my friends in college. Like we either... I think there was one time we got super drunk and someone was just like, oh, I'm going to get a hotel room at this room next door. And then we ended up at some hotel in Denton. And then, you know, there's also been other times where it's like, hey, we're having a hotel party. You come in, holiday in. You know what I mean? Like, so (laughs) I can't, I'm not going to sit here and judge her for what she's done because I've definitely done a lot of this. From the relationship standpoint, I think... Also, I'm just like anti dating men and all of that, so right. I'm like kind of it's just, probably it's a like, weird, mm, it's a weird never. thing because like you know she was 16, he was 28, and it the circumstances of them meeting is just um, a how for one, right? And for two, like I don't, I feel like I was impressionable at 16, but also my friends helped a lot with that. Like we were all like. Hey, we know this is bad. We probably shouldn't do it, but we were all doing it together. Right. You know, like if there was anything that we weren't supposed to be doing. Right. So it's just hard for her, for me to imagine being so secular, I guess, and like moving away, like individually. Right. Into that. So. Well, you obviously had some type of control over her, would be my best guess. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, yeah. So we've established that he was grooming and he had dominance over her but let's go back to the last known location of roxanne the budget inn suites off i-35 in runberg i will say i have not specifically been like to this i have not been to this specific location i am familiar with this location i have not been to this specific location of the budget inn suites although I will say the next time I go to Austin, I am definitely going to make a little rendezvous (laughs) around the block and check out the Budget Inn and the Motel 6 at more. Yeah. Just to see because, I mean, it is in our backyard, but. Okay, so we go back to the last known location of Roxanne. This hotel is one of three, according to my research. Cheap-ass rent-by-the-hour joints within the block radius. So there's three of them within one block. We know the bookkeeping was bad. We know clerks kept records. Some clerks kept records. Some of them did not. And we know that these places are filled typically with a lot of criminal activity and levels of secrecy, if you will. You know, that, like I said earlier, mm-hmm. pay with cash, no paper trail, you were never here kind of thing. I have heard conflicting reports on who actually rented the room, um, whether it was her, whether it was him. I don't know. But my question is, we know that there was spotty record keeping at this particular hotel. Mm-hmm. But there had From what I've read, it sounds like there are records of some sort. They're just may they just may not be accurate. I would wonder though. What I wondered was, has the Austin Police Department followed up on any of the records that they have 
regarding this hotel, whether they think they're accurate or not. Cause in the early days they felt like they came out and said that there was no records. It was shitty, spotty. Some of them kept records. Mm -hmm. Some of them didn't. There has to be there. There's obviously some type of paper trail because I have read reports that she rented the room. I've read reports that he rented the room. Regardless, there's got whatever records they do have. I wonder if they have ever been followed up on. There's got to be like secondary books, you know. Do you ever think about that too? Like there's like the official books and then there's the books. Like the books that like I would keep as a person like oh john doe at 245 came in with stella from corner five yeah i mean like a little black like a diary yeah a diary of some sort of of someone that works there maybe so now i i didn't add this into the story because i personally didn't feel like there was a whole lot of credibility to it but it is what it is i will mention it now i guess um one of the clerks at the hotel like corroborated Lewis's alibi for the night and said that she had ended up spending the night with him that night. I don't really know. To me, that's like, wow. to me, that shows more of what a douchebag he fucking is, but doesn't really help, in my opinion, of locating and finding out what happened to Roxanne. It just shows that he's a douchebag. We, we know that. Yeah. Like, okay, moving yeah. on. So I didn't add that. There are different r- reports of... I mean, he's just trying to cover what his happened. His bases, yeah. So my theories for her disappearance are a couple things. I think that either Lewis arranged something between Moore and Roxanne that night. I think that Moore either facilitated the transfer in the cell of Roxanne, or he was just a means of transportation. But I think he was involved for sure on the transportation level, Mm -hmm. whether it was just transportation or whether it was transportation and facilitating the sale. I don't know, but I think more was involved. I think he was the main person for sure. As far as transporting Roxanne. I believe he knew, and when I say he, I mean Lewis. I believe Lewis knew that his control over Roxanne was ending. Mm -hmm. I think that she probably had made that very clear. And I think that that gives Lewis motive to sell Roxanne into the trade, the sex trade industry. He can make whatever money he wants to make off of her and then just move on from the situation. And like you just said, we know more is obviously willing to pay mm-hmm. for sexual favors, private dances. And he's familiar with this industry. Right. So it's not a far stretch to imagine. Yeah. And do you think this was Lewis's like first time? That sounds so horrible. First like, time as first time propositioning one of his girls i guess to just like selling them out selling them anything like that or like the first girl in new mexico was leading up to that and this was his first one went wrong tried to do it again right 
Right. With his other ex-girlfriend. So, yes. I think it's funny that you say that because... You know how you, like, analyze serial killers? And we know Mm. that, like, they'll start here, but then they progressively get worse. So, like, why can't we do the same thing with trafficking victims? He was domestic violence to the first girlfriend living in New Mexico. She's got this protective order out of him. We know that the girlfriend after Roxanne was quoted of saying that she was... Lewis tried to pimp her out. So, the pattern's there, Do I think that he had ever sold anyone into the sex trade industry before? I have no idea. But I do think that that's what he did to Roxanne. I think so too. I don't, like, I do not feel like Lewis Walls or Jeffrey Moore are smart individuals. And I say that because I just, I do not feel like they could murder Roxanne or anyone and dispose of a body Mm-mm. that hasn't been discovered yet, not tell anyone about it for however many years, 16 years, and get away with it. Like, I just, I feel like if, and who knows, maybe they've, maybe they did do that and maybe they've slipped up to someone in the past and I would encourage that person to come forward with information let the family mm-hmm. and the police determine if it's relevant or not and move forward. But I personally do not feel like either one of them could have murdered and disposed of a body yeah. and kept it hidden for this long. Roxanne was groomed by Lewis. I do not feel like that can be denied in any way, shape, or form. He was abusive towards her. He isolated her from her friends and her family. All of these are major signs of a trafficker and a pimp or a handler, whatever you want to call it. And if he sells her into the sex trade industry, he doesn't have to dispose of a body. No. He just has to get his, provide the person that you're selling, gets the money and he walks away from. Out of sight, out of mind. Right, and now he has no control mm-hmm. over what happens or knowledge to that matter. Yeah. He so, can't be tied to her. He's, you know what I mean? So so for all we know, he could be telling the truth to the cops. I mean, it's just his truth. Right. You know? Right. I do think that he could have sold her into the sex industry, though. And my question to the people that are close to this case, the family, the friends, the people that have been there from like day one or the people that know Lewis the most, did his lifestyle change after Roxanne went missing? And what I mean by that, did he come into a lot of money? Mm -hmm. Did he purchase flashy, expensive clothing, jewelry, items, material things? Did he take any trips? The dude doesn't have a job. If he sells Roxanne into the sex trade industry, we know he's then going to come into some money. So what was his life like in the aftermath of her disappearance? And unfortunately, looking back on the situation 16 years later, who knows what the family can recall. But if I could have a conversation with them, that would be something I would ask. Yeah. Does anyone remember... If he bought 
Did he get a phone? Because we know he didn't have a phone. Did he get a phone? Did he buy new clothes? Did he buy new jewelry? Did he come into money? Like these are things that would make sense if he sold her because he would have come into money. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The calls that Lewis made that night, they intrigue me. Now, the sister has stated that there's an hour time gap. And a lot of them on the sites I've read believe that that was, they believe that that hour time gap is the time that they were disposing of the body, if you will. But to me. In an hour? Right. That's what I say. But to me, an hour time gap plus the roaming charges on that. Yeah. On the phone records. Now, do you know what roaming charges are? I mean, I can, I can, I know you're younger, (laughs) but like back in the day in like 2006, like that was like the infancy of cell phones and cell towers and all that. It's like if you were pinging off like a bunch of towers at once. So she was mostly in the Austin area. So her plan from the way I've read it would sound like she was mostly in, would only need coverage in the Austin area. But if she went outside of that area, she was pinging off other cell towers which would cause her roaming charges essentially okay it's way different than it is now because very cell phones towers are everywhere and it you know if you're with a smaller company like you aren't gonna get roaming charges whatever i don't know how it works now but back then like you would get roaming charges if you went out like an hour and a half outside of the city and you're in the middle of the country and you're roaming off some random tower. Mm -hmm. So her sisters found that there's roaming charges and there's an hour time gap on the night that she went missing. To me, when I hear that, that hour time gap could have been the drop-off time. Yeah, I mean... Moore comes, picks up Roxanne, they drive... She's pinging off all these towers. There's an hour time gap in the usage because they're transporting her from point A to point B, which is point A would be the hotel. Point B is whatever location. Hour time drop. Hour time gap is the drop time of, you know, shirts sure like, a, yeah. hey, how's it going? Like, whatever. I can conversation. see that. Right. So my thoughts are that's what that means. I don't know. Um, Furthermore, on March 17th, 2021, News Channel 10 out of Amarillo released a statement from the police department, from the Austin Police Department, which was asking for the community's help in finding Roxanne. They had received a tip that Roxanne was spotted in Amarillo after she was last seen in Austin. Now, I haven't been able to find much on this information because it came out in March of 2021 and it is the only thing I can find on it. There are a few news sources, um, one out of Amarillo, one out of Waco that shared this information. But according to this, the police got a statement or excuse me, got a tip that Roxanne was spotted in Amarillo after her disappearance. Hmm. So to me, if she was trafficked, it's possible that she could have been taken to Amarillo for further exploitation. Now, when this tip came in, when they say they saw Roxanne, I've not been able to find that information anywhere. But 
it, to me, it just furthers my speculation that Jeffrey Moore and Lewis Walls did not murder her that night, that she was trafficked and that they sold her. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at. What are your thoughts? I mean, I, I kind of agree too, because there's not a whole lot of evidence against them murdering her. But there is a lot of holes in all of their stories that make me lead to believe that she is gone. She has disappeared. Right. And so when you think of a young woman, they don't just disappear. Where do they go? Especially now in 2022, which is super crazy to say. It's 2022. (laughs) Yeah, because I remember when it was 2006 when she disappeared. Like, I... Yeah. 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 And... I agree. I agree with all of the evidence that you've found. Her, him grooming, I mean, that's pretty easy to see. 16, 28. Right. I mean, and then you got this Moore character who comes in out of nowhere and has her ID. And then they say that they went somewhere, Ubered right. somewhere. Well, they didn't Uber. Moore had a car. But yeah. what their relationship was before yeah. Roxanne's disappearance, I haven't been able to find. Like, I've not been able to find or corroborate how they knew each other, how long yeah. they've known each other, what their relationship was. None of that. Yeah. And not to mention all the phone calls that he made yeah. after she disappeared to sex lines. What What is that about? Like... I don't know. Like, looking... Like, even... And then on top of that, you know... Even if they didn't do anything and she walked out of this hotel room and you say that there's three other hotels around there that are rent for hire, she could have just, you know, ended up there by circumstance at that point. If you know, if you follow what I'm saying. No. What are you saying? So like there's three other hotels around there that you said that were rent by the hour. What if someone saw her walking from this other hotel room? Oh, absolutely. And was like, yeah, let me pick her up. Right. And bring her into this. That's definitely a possibility. A crime of happenstance. A perpetrator came along while she was walking on the streets and mm. picked her up. That's absolutely, definitely something that could have happened. Um, I don't personally believe that, but I don't rule it out. Right. Like, I also don't rule out the fact that she wasn't murdered that mm. night. She absolutely yeah. could have been, but... I think I'm like... I lean more towards that he trafficked her because yeah. I don't feel like he's smart enough to fucking murder someone, no, clean it not. up, no. con- convey alibis between him, Jeffrey Moore, and the hotel staff chick. Like, I, someone, I just, I don't believe it. I feel like he sold her. I just, I don't know. That's me, though. Yeah, I mean, she's definitely, she's definitely somewhere. Right. So. She is. Roxanne has been missing now for 16 years and her family has no answers. Throughout my research, I've seen it stated many times that her family believes that she's unfortunately no longer with us. But they would like to have answers. They'd like to know where she is and have a place to visit and have some sort of peace with this incident. But for me, maybe Roxanne is still out there fighting for her life in a completely different way, living a world of exploitation, violence, and forced sex work. When Roxanne went missing, she was 105 pounds, 5'4", with light brown hair and green eyes. Now, I will say, 
You have to remember this is a rough and violent, hard lifestyle, and I understand the importance of age-progressed photos and providing descriptions for a missing persons, but we also need to consider that she could look exactly opposite of this. This lifestyle is hard and it's filled with drugs and abuse and patterns and behaviors. And she may look older than she actually is. She may have scars and marks on her body. And she maybe has been exposed to continued use of drugs. Her weight may have gone up and there may have brand, there may be brandings or markings on her body or a change in her hair color and style. Anyone with information on her disappearance is asked to call the missing persons unit at the Austin Police Department at 512-974-5250. You can also submit tips to us through our social media channels. We're on Instagram, Human Trafficking LW Pod, and Last Word underscore by SL. And we're also on Facebook at Last Word. Well, thanks for being here today. Thanks Thank for having you, Charles. Me. Yeah, for sure. We'll have to have you back for sure. All right, guys, before we go, I just wanted to do our weekly spotlights. First, we have Gregory Elliott Buckner Jr. He is 19 years old now. He has been missing since December 20th, 2021 from Phoenix, Arizona. He is an African-American male, six foot, 190 pounds, black hair, brown eyes, Gregory was last seen in the 7700 block of McDowell Road in Phoenix, Arizona. Gregory left Monday morning for work but never returned. Anyone with information is asked to call the Phoenix Police Department at 602-261-8774. Second, we have Rosa Elizabeth Walker. She is 24 years old and has been missing since January 8th, 2021 from Boston, Massachusetts. She is an African-American female at 5'6", 125 pounds. She has black hair and brown eyes. Rosa was last seen at the Woods Mulin Shelter located in the 700 block of Massachusetts Avenue in Boston, Massachusetts. According to the family, Rosa suffers from mental health issues, and anyone with information is asked to call the Newton Police Department, 617-796-2100. And lastly, we have Anita Warren. Anita is a 49-year-old Native American missing from Dallas, Texas. She is 145 pounds, brown hair, brown eyes. Anyone with information is asked to call the Dallas Police Department, Missing Persons Unit at 214-671-4268. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. Please be sure to share our podcast on social. And remember, be loud about stopping human trafficking, bold in your statements against it, and out there making a change. Mm-hmm.